Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot, No Questions Asked, Master in the Art of Intuitive Reading. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 232 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Awaken the Court Cards. And my special guest is Thomas from Hermit's Mirror. Welcome, Thomas. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I am delighted to have you here. I know that you have written an amazing workbook called Awaken the Court Cards. We're going to talk about the workbook in a moment. But uh, I want to start off by asking you this. How did you get started with tarot? Okay, well, this story has evolved as I've sort of remembered more bits and pieces. Um, the beginning, the beginning, beginning has always been the same, but the, the details in the middle have shifted. <laughs> um, my mom uh, used to read coffee grounds, and she would be a vivid, often psychic dreamer. And my sister seemed to be psychic, like she would go up to a woman and say, oh, you're, you know, how do you feel about the baby? And she didn't even know that she was pregnant yet. Um, and so... Uh, that was sort of around me, but I I didn't have any of that. As I later discovered, I actually did do a little bit of divination through um, looking at clouds, sort of coming up with stories and seeing what would be happening or what I wanted to do with whatever information I could glean from cloud scrying. Um, but I discovered tarot at about the age of 14 or 15 um, when my sister moved off to college and I inherited her room and that included her bookshelf, which included a um, either Italian or French version of the Rider Waite. So that's how it, it got started. Uh, our humble beginnings. Uh, I, I love that. And, you know, I wanted to ask you that question for actually a very specific reason to our conversation. I know when I started reading tarot, there were a few cards that were very challenging. I know the Hierophant was probably the hardest, but the court mm -hmm. cards were really rough. And I've heard this from so many other tarot readers, even people who've been reading a long time, they're like, ooh, those court cards were really hard. So in your opinion, why do you think the court cards are so hard for people to interpret? I think uh, for a lot of people who read tarot, they use it for self-reflective purposes, they use it for, uh, or they use it for sort of uh, like hard fortune telling, right? And in both of those cases, it can be hard to see other people um, like specific people, and that's where court cards really shine, is as people. Now, I think uh, for those of us who like to do more of that self-reflection, more of that sort of coaching style of uh, grabbing whatever energy you can in the cards and working with it, um, it's really useful to see the court cards as personalities, or as I call them, personas within us that we can awaken and bring out. Um, but I think that it is really challenging to see another person potentially, even if it's another form of yourself that you're not as familiar with, sort of step into the middle of this flow that you're trying to get, understanding your own self and where you're going. And especially if you're using more of a fortune telling style, predictive style of reading, seeing that other person, it, it can be very exciting, but also very jarring. Like, who is this person? And it just sort of throws you out of that world. Um, and so it's it's very easy for people to just shut down with either of those if it's if they're interpreting it as someone else or as a part of themselves that they haven't yet fully processed or encountered or they, they don't want to. Right on. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I had a, 
a friend that used to read many, many years ago, and he would see the court cards as specific people coming into a situation. And he really seemed to have a knack with actually accurately describing those people, like in a way that I've never seen since. And it, the readings still stick with me all these years on how was he able to see that. So I think for everybody, you know, we find our different ways of working with the court cards or maybe different ways of viewing them, but it is very challenging to see them as other people. So everything you said, I'm like, yeah, right on. Now, in your workbook, Awaken the Court Cards, you speak of correspondences for the cards as a technique. And I'd love you to tell me more about that. Sure. That comes from my early uh, mid-90s days with Wicca on sympathetic magic um, and looking for correspondences in order to help you tap into certain energies or make the most of certain energies. And so that seemed like a good place to get to know the court cards. And that was that was the big driving concept behind Awaken the Court Cards is to become familiar with the energies so that they aren't scary or they aren't confusing when you see them in a reading because you realize, oh, this is an aspect of myself that I've gotten in touch with. Um, and so part of that is you know, bringing them out, getting to feel that energy and correspondences can be a really um, useful way of bringing that sympathetic magic, whether it's psychological or magical, um, to get those energies sort of around you, to get you into the mood of how that court card might think or how they might act or uh, just what sort of associations you might have so that it's easier to find things like hobbies or occupations mm -hmm. or personality traits that may uh, show up in a reading when a court card appears. And you cover so many different types of correspondences in your workbook. Um, you know, like not just the elemental, but there's some astrology stuff in there. I mean, you really created quite the guidebook with many, many different things to consider. And I think what that really helps for beginner, beginning readers, like you said, it helps them to understand the energy. So can you speak to, you know, all these different types of, give us a couple of examples maybe of some of the correspondences that you think are important? Sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, as you said, elemental <laughs> tends to be where my mind goes first and foremost with the court cards. Um, I, I enjoy the golden dawn thoth tradition of court cards as doubly elemented. Um, and I think that that's a fun way of seeing them without their gender, without their hierarchy, um, unless you know, you're following the elemental hierarchy of uh, that particular organization, which you don't have to in modern times. Um, but I think you know the elements is a good place to start. And from there, you can extrapolate and because elements can be very abstract. And so it's hard to latch on to those um, in order to get some of the specifics of the individual core cards. So things like colors. Um, right, the Knight of Wands may be very red and orange and black, that sort of fiery, passionate, but, uh, you know, uh, a little bit dangerous as well, right? Um, in a way that the uh, the Prince of Wands, or as I associate him a little bit controversially with the King of Wands, maybe a little bit more yellow, um, a little bit more of that sort of mellow, perhaps older if you're thinking about the King, or more thoughtful if you're thinking about the Prince. Um, not quite as hot and uh, blazing. For those who know how fire works, I understand red may be cooler than yellow. I don't know. But <laughs> in terms of how we appreciate them, it was a little bit happier um, than red typically. And so uh, that that correspondence of the color can help fine 
to the sort of fiery element that exists within both of them. Um, and then I have other ones, as you said, astrology, which is drawing from the Golden Dawn tradition, um, although I, I have some caveats and uh, opportunities to work around that for folks who find it complicated. Um, plants, I think, is really useful for bringing into your everyday life. So things like spices and foods, you know, if you want to embody, for example, the Queen of Wands, um, you might bring in, uh, actually, sorry, this is not a plant, this is another thing, but similar edible um, honey, right, to get that sort of uh, mellifluous, uh, seductive, persuasive aspect of the Queen of Wands. Honey is a great tool for that, because it it's everything like golden and beautiful about her. Um, and you can just drop that into your tea, right? And uh, get a little bit of dose of that energy. And I think whether it's wearing certain patterns on clothes, certain textiles, doing certain activities, um, having like a little trinket or token of a different uh, animal or creature sort of alongside you, you or having um, a scent or a spice in your food or your perfume or your soap or something like that. Those are all ways to sort of build that energy around you in a really practical everyday sense. And, you know, embodying, I think embodying the court cards is actually a really wise way to get to know them because at any time you could be a different court card. You know, I, I say I'm the queen of swords, but there are times where I am absolutely functioning as a king of pentacles or if I'm studying, I might see myself as a page of wands. So playing those roles or noticing how those roles show up when we're embodying those different characters, I think also is a great way to uh, really get in touch with the energy. So I love that you suggest that. So smart. Thanks. It actually came out of a course that I teach, Awaken the Core Cards, and I wanted to give them exercises to get into the core cards with which they weren't as familiar. And I thought the best way to do that, as you said, was embodiment. Um, and with that embodiment, I figured, oh, I need to give them some tips yes. <laughs> on how to actually get into that. And so I started creating this list and it's like, all right, at this point, I'm just writing a book for them. So this uh, came out of a couple of pages of just lists. And I was like, let me give them more. So I got to ask you another question. Do you feel it's better to go with traditional correspondences or can you form your own can both be helpful yeah so you you may notice uh, some of these uh, are not traditional they are a little bit idiosyncratic and part of that um, is to invite people to experiment and to see how these work for themselves and see what doesn't work not to say um, that there are there actually aren't a lot of hard and fast court card correspondences at least not that I've discovered and T. Susan Chang wrote tarot correspondences, I think would agree, right? You sort of have to mix and match based on the suit, based on the zodiac, based on the major arcana that's associated with that zodiac sign and sort of hodgepodge it together. And so I went to the cards themselves and went to some of the things that I associate with those core cards for other correspondences, um, like mediumship for the Queen of Cups, for example. Like what are some of the things... Um, associated with mediumship that would be really useful for people who wanted to tap into that aspect of the Queen of Cups. And then some of them were intuited based on my own experience, what felt right. It wasn't necessarily in a card anywhere, but I felt like it should be. <laughs> um, or maybe it was in a, a card that I had seen that was unusual or not traditional. And so you get to just play with that and take notes for yourself. And you can, you know, I invite uh, readers to strike out something that doesn't work or move it to a different section if they feel like they've they've tried this one correspondence and it's really bringing out something else 
that doesn't mean that it's a bad correspondence. It just means that it's not the right correspondence for that thing, for them, for whatever reason. And that's great that now they know that and they know what does work and what doesn't work and they can extrapolate from there. Right. And that allows you to really have a personal uh, connection to those cards and, you know, to how you maybe read tarot as well. So that's very wise. So I'd like to use an example. So uh, we're going to, let's go with the Queen of Swords since that's my card. What are some of the correspondence you might associate with the Queen of Swords? So the Queen of Swords, um, you know, who I think of as water of air, um, you know, I think of her in terms of ice, right? This sort of uh, frosty figure often. So things that are cold or glassy can be really useful for um, that clarity that she brings, right? She's a sort of mini justice figure. She has a, a no bullshit sword <laughs> that's going straight up. Um, and so, you know, she can have this sort of frigid side to her that people, I think, misinterpret um, sometimes, but, you know, clear to the point. And so those things that are clear, that are sort of to the point that um, are associated with that, I think are can be really powerful. So as I said, ice, um, a mirror, right? That can be really useful. That is uh, glassy and reflective and metallic um, all at the same time. If you wanted to bring in sort of the literal water of air, you could use a mister or diffuser to sort of access some of what um, she's working with, you know, a scarf, um, but also dancing because she's associated with the swords, which I think of as very musical, even though, you know, I think we often think of the wands as sort of the passionate, exciting ones. Um, I do think that the swords are musical and rhythmic. And so through that, uh, she seems like the dancer of the group. Um, at least uh, a refined dancer, if nothing else. Um, and then, of course, for some of the plants, things like lavender, which are really clear and purifying, right? That sword purifies. Um, and then <laughs> I added in prickly pear as sort of my own intuitive uh, response, A, because I was in San Antonio, and then Phoenix when I was working on this. So prickly pear is a very popular choice in our margaritas. So it needed to be somewhere, um, but then it's also a very juicy and also spiky uh, plant, right? And so you get the water and you get the swords aspect with that. So things like that. I mean, there's, um, as far as creatures go, uh, I am a fan of the owl for the queen of swords, for that wisdom, um, that sort of Athena vibe. Um, Got a little yeah, owl I mean, right uh, here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love your little creatures. I meant to ask you that in our own interview, uh, sort of how they work for you. But um, yeah, so lots of different things, but all sort of around that clear vision, that uh, willingness to to bite in for something that, you know, isn't right. Um, so the, the owl is wise, but also a raptor. Um, that prickly pear is delicious, but it's like cactus with spikes, right? Um, so that sort of beautiful combination of the two. Well, that is a very thorough uh, list of correspondences, and you can really start, again, developing kind of a feeling from those correspondences, what the Queen of Swords is all about. And I just think it's ironic that you mentioned that owl, since I have that little owl sitting here. So very, very funny. Uh, but again, this is how we can start to really piece together like a puzzle or uh, like a detective. What do we need to know about this person? These correspondences give you those clues. So one of the things that you covered in your workbook is rank. And I've never had anybody on the podcast before who's ever been able to, we've never talked about rank. And so I thought I'd like to talk about that a little bit too, as one of the correspondences. So what is rank? What do you mean when you talk about rank? 
So I'm talking about the titles um, in particular. So the title of page or princess for sort of the the lowest level or the youngest version of the court card of king, prince, knight, queen, um, all of those different titles, because we're talking about courts, right? Like this is a noble court. They are in the land of wands, in the land of cups, whatever. Um, they serve different roles. And it's important to recognize that all of the swords court cards share their swordsness. They, they have a lot of uh, the same interests as far as domains, right? The things that they care about, the communication for the swords, um, the energy and excitement, vivacity of the wands. Uh, but how they actually work within that world varies based on their court rank, right? And so how which uh, system you use, first of all, um, I referenced the princess and the prince, which come from the Thoth tradition, uh, the king and the uh, page that come from the uh, rider weight or the weight tradition. Um, you know, if you're using Marseille, you might have a knave instead of a page. All of those have slightly different meanings, even though we see them as interchangeable in lots of ways. And so how you're actually using those titles may be subtly informing what you're taking away um, from that particular card, especially if you start branching out and talking about like mother, father, son, daughter, as the Wild Unknown Tarot does, um, or something much more abstract and fun like navigator or uh, seer, right? These these new terms that people have for the core cards in those ranks, um, they're shared across suits. So you think, okay, they must function similarly in their different realms, um, but the the realm that is their uh, suit. Uh, their noble court, right? That will sort of limit what they can do. And I think I think it's useful to find those patterns. Again, <laughs> I'm a Virgo moon, so I love a pattern and a structure. <laughs> I've got three um, planets so in Virgo. I'm all about patterns. I get that. And, you know, when we are doing tarot readings in general, we're looking at patterns. So, I mean, it is a Virgo. I think astrology and tarot are Virgo people's dream professions <laughs> because we want to look at all those different little things. And the Virgo moon makes... Total sense, of course, you're going to not just embody, but you're going to really drill down into all these little details. And I think that's wonderful. So I've got another question, because you just said about the Thought deck and Rider Waite Smith. Do you think these two decks have a different energy when it comes to the court cards, or is it just similar all around? No, they definitely. Uh, I interpret them very differently. And I think it comes from uh, the... The different idea behind the courts. So in the weight tradition, which is what many people are familiar with, if not most people, right, you have the king and you have the queen, and you have the knight and you have the page. And so the king and queen rule um, rule the land and the knight sort of enacts what's going on. And then the page is sort of like doing the dirty work or they're wandering around or they're delivering messages, whatever, right? And those different ranks have different functions that are um, very much embedded in this idea of a noble court headed by a king and a queen. Uh, the Thoth Tarot is based around a sort of noble family dynamic, which is headed by a knight and a queen. Um, and they are the father and the mother. Um, they're an elementally derived. And when you combine them, fire and water, you get air, which is the prince. Um, and then you have the princess, which you may think, oh, she's the daughter, but no, no, she's actually coming from a different kingdom to marry the prince. Um, and so you get this beautiful um, transitional energy through the princess that's sort of there subtly as the page as messenger or the page as wanderer. 
but she really has her own strength and power that comes through the princess archetype, or not even princess archetype, but the princess role within um, this system that I think is really unmatched <laughs> in the way. Um, and you get to, you know, it, it seems a little bit subversive to have a queen and a knight um, heading things up and not having a king anywhere. Right. And so you get to play a little bit more with those dynamics of like, okay, what does it mean to have the queen on the throne and the knight who's like out doing stuff? Um, and they're both at the head of this family. Well, I think that's really fascinating because that is, you know, as I was uh, listening to you speak, it really got me thinking, well, could we just make things the same? And obviously, you mentioned also the wild unknown, which has different interpretations too. You're probably going to get a different flavor for those court card members and those court card members in that deck are animals. So now we're looking also at an animal correspondence. So there's a lot of uh, obviously variety and different ways that you can also look at the courts, depending on what deck you're working with. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even the Marseille, which seems like it's very weight related because there's a King, a queen, a knight, and then a sort of servant figure, the um, valet, as it's known in uh, Marseille, that would be someone who could never ascend to noble rank as opposed to the page who could become a knight. So the valet is also external to the sort of noble wor world and they're really doing like the dirty tasks. There's no way for them to move up into the other ranks in a way that there is in the weight. And so with the weight, it's easier to see like, oh, there's this progression from you know early stages to um, adolescent kind of thing to maturation in these higher groups that you can't really do that as the the valet in the Marseille. And I think most people don't know that, so they don't interpret that. But once you do know that, you get to see it as like, oh yeah, this is another outsider figure who's functioning very differently um, and seeing the world very differently from the other three court cards. Whether that's meaningful or not is up to you. And as the reader, and that's the beauty of tarot, but it's there if you want to use that as part of your interpretation. Well, you're certainly opening up my mind to things. I never thought about the valet in that perspective or the princess in that perspective. So this is giving me right now, my little wheels are turning saying, oh, oh. So I really, really love that I asked this question now because the answer has certainly got me intrigued to dive a little deeper. I and love it. I want to talk about one more thing in your book, and then I want to talk about this workbook. You mentioned the idea of an elemental cocktail party. <laughs> and I got to tell you that I was looking at, I'm like, that is the most brilliant damn idea ever. So I want you to share this technique for people who want to awaken their court cards. What is the elemental cocktail party? Okay. So in the book, there are a number of activities. One of them uh, is the elemental co cocktail party. So as I mentioned, the court cards have these different elemental correspondences. Um, the ones that I describe are sort of the traditional ones you can argue about the knights and the kings um, or the princes and the the knights um, but for the most part right there the four elements they map to the four ranks and then the four suits that also um, map to the the four elements um, and so you know you may have um, the air of air to me is the king of swords the water of water i think to everyone is the queen of cups um, and so you can have these figures who are doubly elemented. You could have figures that are opposite elemented, like the Queen of Wands would be the Water of Fire. The Knight of Cups, again, for me, would be the Fire of Water. So they're complementary in that way. Um, 
and you can just sort of uh, throw them together in different um, different formulas, if you will. Um, and so you might have all of the complementary pairings, like the water of fire and the fire of water, um, the earth of air, which would be the page of swords or the princess of swords, and the earth of, or sorry, and the air of earth, which would be the, for me, the king of pentacles, and throw them all together and say like, okay, how would these people um, interact? Or if I set them on a, you know, just two of them or more, if you want, on a date, like what would that experience be? Um, and you can start to play like, okay, how would all of the 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 knights get along together? Would they all have fun? Would they start fighting? How would all of the queens work together? You know, and just sort of do these different pairings of like, what kind of conversations would they have? Like, where would they find common interests? Where would they fight? And, you know, this is all hypothetical. They're, they're just uh, ideas. They're not real people, right? Um, and so, you know, you get to really think in concrete terms about like, what is it that makes this personality specific? And where is it that they share overlap with these other ranks, with these other suits, um, with these other elemental correspondences where, I don't know, I mean, the Knight of Cups and the Queen of Wands, right? That's a really steamy combination when you think of them, which if it's the fire of water for both of them, just in different order, um, that makes sense, right? As opposed to like, if you put the, all of the cups together, like that's probably going to be a really surreal conversation that they're having and maybe not even with each other all the time. Um, but you get to sort of play with that and see like, okay, what are, how are they hanging out? What are they, um, you know, do they, do they stick together for very long at the cocktail party or do they go and find their refreshments? That's such a smart idea. And this is a very fun and playful way to, learn about the court cards and I think playful ways are sometimes the, the ways that really stick. Uh, so let's talk about your workbook, Awaken the Court Cards. Uh, you know, you created this and I read the book and I'm like, wow, this needs to be actually published. So publishers, if you're listening to this, I think this workbook does need to be uh, out there on a grander scale. But how did you come up with the idea? You said something about it being based on a class and where can people get a copy? Uh, so uh, the second question is easiest to answer. So you can get a hard copy through Amazon. It's um, sort of self-published through Kindle, or you can get a digital copy from my website, hermitsmirror.com. Um, and then how it came into being was from this class. So Awaken the Court Cards, I started with a class because as you said, people really struggle with court cards, even if they've been reading for 10 years, they may not have like fully understood or been comfortable, right? The, what I discovered in teaching the class the first time was that a lot of people knew all of these things. They just hadn't bothered putting them into practice. And so that's where I got the idea for having really concrete activities and exercises in addition to the sort of embodiment exercise, which was really their only homework um, in between class sessions. Um, and so the correspondence is the embodiment that's where it started for the class, just to help them get into these different figures. The tarot spreads was um, is another portion of the book. And that's something that I've, I've just created lots of tarot spreads. I love doing it. I love um, creating tarot spreads based on tarot cards um, in particular. And so that seemed like a natural inclusion, to something to build out and throw into the book um, to really, again, sort of get the, the full perspective of these court cards. 
And it's not every aspect of the core card. It's just uh, working through a couple of their key features. But I think it gets a good, solid understanding of some of the nuance. And from there, again, you can extrapolate. Um, and then in between, I said, okay, I need to give like tangible exercises for people that, again, as you said, make it fun. Um, and then also there's one that's sort of intensive. And I, I don't know how many people will actually do this, but it's called the inventory of energy. And you go through a week. Um, and just jot down like significant things that you do to see are there certain types of activities that are reinforcing different personas within the court? Are there different types of um, scents that are part of um, your shampoo, your perfume, your lotion, all of that stuff that are sort of subtly influencing you through these magical <laughs> herbal correspondences? Um, and then uh, can you, you know, once you've reflected on that and done that inventory, are there things that you want to change? Are there things that you want to bring in where you think, oh, there's like way too much uh, King of Pentacles going on for me? You know, a lot of people may think that's not a bad thing, but everything out of balance is not great. Um, right. And so maybe you tone that down a little bit or you bring in um, some more wands to really like lighten a lot of the gravity that can come with that Pentacles energy. It's really brilliant stuff. I love the workbook. I think that anybody who's a tarot reader, even if you are a seasoned pro, you're going to get a lot of good out of this workbook and a lot of great ideas. Uh, you know, so it is something I think everyone does need to add to their list. And I really appreciate what this body of work that you've created, because again, the court cards are rough, but you're making it accessible with this workbook. So thank you for creating it. And I want to thank you for spending time with me today talking about this topic, Thomas. It's been so fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you? Where, I mean, Instagram, your website, let us know. I am most active on Instagram. So Hermit's Mirror, all one word, no weird underscores or periods or misspellings or anything like that. Uh, and then my website, hermitsmirror.com. Um, those are the best places to find me. All right, people. Well, um, you know what you're going to do. You're going to get over to Instagram. You're going to follow Thomas. And I want you to check out the website. Get the workbook. You're going to love it. It's going to really enhance your understanding of the court cards. All right, people. That wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. You can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, lots of books, blog posts, forecasts, so many good things for you to scope out. I hope you get over there and enjoy it. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you love the podcast, do me a solid. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review. That will help more tarot curious people find their way to this podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. Let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, well, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.